Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. You've admitted that you love Diane. In order to get rid of your depression, you will have to admit it to her. Sam, you must tell her that you love her. Oh, come on. <laughs> don't, don't make me say that. Don't. Come on. Why not? Because I don't. Because I don't want to. Come on, man. Tell Diane you love her. Let some fresh air and sunlight in there. Fraser? What, Sam? I don't like guys touching my head. <laughs> well, there's our next session. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and here with me is returning guest of the show, the host of Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, Al Sedano. What's up, Al? Hey, Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm glad to have you back, as always. Uh, it's good to be back in the bar. <laughs> needed a drink. A couple of episodes ago, I mentioned that Frazier's character had kind of plateaued and they didn't really know what to do with him. Well, this episode might solve that problem. Season 4, episode 15, The Triangle. This episode is written by Susan Seeger. This is a one-off. This is the only episode of Cheers she ever wrote. Uh, directed by Jim Burroughs, who this is not his only directing effort on the show. <laughs> yeah. um, the original air date was Thursday, January 23rd, 1986. Months after Diane left him at the altar, Frazier has lost his psychiatric practice and wallows away drinking at Cheers. The gang believes that if he could use his diagnostic skills to cure one of them, his confidence would return and he'd get back in the game. Diane convinces Sam to tell Frazier he's suffering from depression, of which the symptoms include sexual impotency. Sam reluctantly reveals this fake problem to Frazier, who initially blows him off. Later, Frazier returns happily inspired to help Sam, and he diagnoses the problem that Sam is still in love with Diane. In order to maintain the charade for Frazier's benefit, Sam goes along with it and agrees to tell Diane that he loves her. He and Diane must then concoct a story that they can tell Frazier that will support his hypothesis while not actually re-engaging in a romantic relationship. Naturally, Sam and Diane can't even agree on an adequate lie that makes them both look good, and Frazier walks in on them shouting how much they hate each other. They confess to the ruse, and Frazier is so disgusted that two such pitiful people, emotional infants, as he calls them, would actually take pity on him. That is the rock-bottom point for Frazier Crane, who diagnoses Sam and Diane helplessly in love and in hate with each other before walking out to pick up the pieces of his professional and personal life. All right, Al, what did you think of this episode? I wasn't sure what to think of it because I had told you a while ago, hey, any episode that people aren't asked for, throw me on. I'm good. It's cheers. So when people don't always ask for them, I'm assuming, well, maybe it's not the best of episodes. But I was impressed. I mean, this is one hell of what you would call a mythology episode. I mean, this is like the equivalent of the X-Files of like the cigarette smoking man telling Mulder everything. Because, I mean, we've ripped open the whole Sam and Diane thing bare right here. 
pretty much Frazier pretty much synthesizes what we've been talking about for three and a half years on this podcast. This is the part they don't talk about. <laughs> that they, you know, Tam and Diane don't talk about because they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to confront it. They want to just kind of play around the fire a little bit. Don't sell yourself short. Like this was going to be Shag's episode, and I was like, "Nah, to hell with him. I I want Al for this one. I don't remember why I was mad at Shag, but whatever." So. I'm sure there's something he did. No, you're right. I mean, this this really. I mean, they finally, as I've been asking them to do, find something for Fraser to do and kind of get him back in in where he's best at, which is you know diagnosing them and t- confronting them with their own psychological issues. Um, Oh yeah, I and wish fingers that, crossed that he does go forward with this, and they don't just have him wallowing next episode, next time we see him. There's a t- tipping, tipping a few, few future. It, it backslides a little bit, but we are starting to turn. This is definitely a turning point. Good. Um, um, he does. He uh, yeah, he still has some grievances towards Diane that linger, but uh, yeah, yeah, like, that's different though. That's fine. Right, yeah, they they have definitely abandoned the pretext that he was ever just like sweeping the floors at Cheers, like back in like the. <laughs> second episode of the season. Oh, God, that was great. <laughs> that um, was ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, like, the whole crux of it, like, we'll, we'll kind of come to this, we'll kind of work our way up to it, but everything that Frazier hits them with, and then their reaction to it, speaks volumes, uh, like, as a sort of meta-textual, like, commentary on who these characters are, and the fundamental aspect of their, their nature and their relationship, and kind of why... I mean, as Paul Spataro and I talked about why you could get them together in season one and you don't lose the chemistry of will they, won't they. They keep that up for even when they are together or breaking up or yeah. something like that. So Because it's all it's all about this. It's all about the lie they tell themselves. Uh, the best example I can think of actually about this is – so apologies for everyone who just listens because they like TV shows. This is a comic thing, but it's about Spider-Man. So, you know, mm-hmm. everyone knows Spider-Man. It was right before Spider-Man and Mary Jane got married. They were always hanging out and going on dates, but they never did any, you know, they weren't dating. And then something happened and he kissed her and she like freaks out and leaves. And like the narration in Peter Parker is like, Mary Jane is not my girlfriend. I just ruined a perfectly good lie. <laughs> and that is Sam and Diane. There's a, Razor just ruined their perfectly good lie. And they had to figure out, at the end, it's them trying to figure out how to get back to the lie. Yeah. Because that's the only way they could actually, that's the only reason she would be at the bar. Yeah, and the only reason they could be together or not together or whatever is if they believe this lie. Yeah, going from the top of the episode. First of all, start as I mentioned, the Susan Seeger. This is her only writing credit on Cheers. After this, she created the show's duet and open house, and worked on a few other things. The teaser for this episode. So uh, this is one where the teaser actually does inform a later plot point. Uh, Cliff comes in, or, or he, no, Norm walks in right away, and even as he's picking up his bar, Cliff is pulling him away from his stool and not very secretively invites him to a party at his house, which he says starts at noon. And Norm's like, what kind of party is this? Um, Cliff says that there will be other guys from the post office there, but this is obviously, he doesn't even have, like, this is really just an excuse to get people to help him paint his attic. <laughs> Cliff read the ch- Cliff notes of Tom Sawyer the night before and got an idea when he was trying not to paint and got the idea. Yeah, and get somebody else. So, um, interestingly, Norm protests and says that he hates to paint. Like, he's like, you know how much I hate to paint. Later yeah, on no. in the show, mm-hmm. <laughs> like painting is Norm's profession. That becomes his career. I now, found that hilarious because yeah. I remember that. I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Now, I, I kind of like 
I will. I don't remember that clearly, but once they get to that plot point, I wonder how that's treated. Like, is, did they just forget that he says this, or can you still manage to say that? Yeah, he hates painting, but he can do it instead of accounting, and he's like he's good at it. Like something yeah, like so. we know he's good at interior decorating, even though like he would. That's not necessarily what he would prefer to be doing. So, well, yeah, because. Norm prefers to do one thing. <laughs> Sit at the bar. <laughs> and drink. Yeah, so, I mean, it's for anything. Yeah, he's good at accounting, but does he want to be accounting, or does he want to be sitting at the bar? <clears throat> anyway, once we come back, Frazier is at the bar. He is bitter and grumpy. Woody tries to engage him in conversation, like saying, like, you used to be a psychiatrist, and Frazier just goes on about how terrible the profession is and how bad it is and everything, and Woody has a joke. He's like, well, you got your weekends off or something like that. I don't think that was a joke. <laughs> Probably not. But not from him. Um, so again, like this is like, uh, like okay, for, like if this is where Frazier is, we need to do something with this character. And then immediately they get into it, and, and Woody has this idea. It's like, let's do something. Let's help him out. And Diane's like, I've tried talking to him. Can you imagine how hard I've tried to talk to him? And the yes, gang, we can. <laughs> the gang is like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That was like a Rocky Horror moment for the entire audience to you know, get involved and go, yes, we can! <laughs> I like that That Sam's in... I mean, you know, you wouldn't think that Sam would necessarily know... Uh, he wouldn't necessarily be able to put it in a therapeutic vernacular, or th- those kind of terms. But, you know, Sam, being a bartender, being a guy who recognizes people's problems and helps them deal with them all day, he has a good idea. And I like that he actually puts it... He makes it a baseball analogy. He's like, Frazier needs to come out of the dugout or whatever, get up to the mound and get his first out. You know, that's what he's thinking. Like, that's that kind of like, you know, once you get back in the game, you know, you know that, hey, I belong here. I'm good at this. I can do this. And and he just, it's that uh, that confidence shot. Yeah, yeah and that makes sense because, I mean, he would have experienced stuff exactly. like that either for himself or other people when he was playing. Didn't they have an episode about the yips or something in the first few seasons? Uh, well, the the one with the alcoholism talked about his his superstitions. So um, yeah, well, was there... uh, maybe that's a future episode I'm thinking of. I, I I remember learning about knowing about the yips, and I think that's something I learned from Cheers, but I don't remember where that was. But I mean, yeah, that's something he would have picked up. That sounds it right. Now I can't think. Was that if that was a coach episode, that would have already happened. But maybe yeah. I, I think you're right. I think there's something I can't think of what it is. So, now. But yeah, that that sounds like it's in his wheelhouse. You know, he doesn't understand psychiatry, but he understands. Losing confidence. Right, right. Not being able to do what you can do and knowing that the person can do it. <laughs> right. They say, okay, we need him to diagnose one of us. Who has a problem? And everyone looks at Cliff. <laughs> everyone looks at Cliff, who, oblivious to their to their responses, he just kind of looks off himself like, yeah, that's a stumper. <laughs> mm, can't think of anybody. Stroking his chin's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Then they get into the whole Roadrunner chasing the the or Wiley Coyote chasing the Roadrunner thing, and like they, I I love how each one of them has like this this perspective on this cartoon, this sort of existential nature of it. Like Woody, of course, thinking practically is like if he, if the Coyote can afford all of those Acme tricks and death traps, how can how come he can't eat something else besides the Roadrunner? And Cliff is like, no, it's like almost like a Moby Dick. He has this personal quest to eat that particular Roadrunner. The best part is how Sam is able to just listen to the stuff. He's used to this bar stuff, it, you know, used to the random babble that goes on. Mm-hmm. But then he hears about two roadrunners, and you can see that, like, <laughs> just blew his mind. He's like, what, what do you mean two roadrunners? Like, Diane had to practically grab his shirt and yank him away from that. Yeah. He's like, like, I don't two remember runners? that episode. 
Which I looked up. I was able to find anything about that. At least nothing I popped up online because I'm like, I want to watch that. Is that real or something they made up? So but I have no idea. Diane comes up with the the plan that you know just tell Fraser you're depressed and everything. She gives him the symptoms, and Sam really t- does not take kindly to the like the idea that he would have to reveal to Fraser that he was impotent. <laughs> like he's like my he's like my mom told me once when I was making funny faces or silly faces like that if I kept doing that it would get my face would get stuck that way. He's like I'm not t- I'm not messing around and making jokes about you know my performance. Yeah, but she knows how. She's like, I owe you a favor, but she knows how to make sure he understands. It's not about, but it can't be sex, sex, or sex, (laughs) or sex. Yeah, how about (laughs) sex? Yeah, so so the options of that. Sam pulls Fraser into his office, and now I didn't, I didn't actually clock them, but I think we spend more time in Sam's office this episode than we do at the bar. Yeah, I'm. I didn't do, check it either, but you're probably right because like, there's multiple scenes for a long time in the office. Almost the entire second act is in there. Yeah. Um. And and from this point, like, at, like at um, like once once he goes in there with Frazier, they're there for a while because first he's talking to Frazier and he's going through his whole problem, and you know he's like you know he's like yeah I'm really depressed I can't sleep I can't eat and uh my you know haven't problem with sex that's not really a big problem though just so you know i don't know what we're talking about it don't worry about it yeah. so then you know fraser kind of was like well you know i'd recommend you go see a shrink and when you see find one that helps you give him my number and fraser is like <laughs> just quick to get out of there uh and diane's like well i guess that didn't work and sam is like not only did it not work i had to tell another man that my equipment was on the fritz like he was really really embarrassed about that well, that's half of his identity. So. I know, I know. Just like even you know, that part of the ruse was just like so anathema to Sam and his character. Um, but and she we still, still loves him. Yeah, yeah. As as the door is opening and shutting, we're still getting more of the Wiley Coyote thing. <laughs> like like Norman shutting. Like I suppose that proves that Coyote is the Antichrist. It's like where are they going with this conversation? I really wish though we had more of that later on too. If the door opens and closes, mm-hmm. just keep that going. Just random blinds. Yeah. So. Fraser comes back the next day and he's like just like like he's dressed up. He's brimming with confidence. He's like, I, I found out the answer to your problem, and he's like, you're in love with Diane. And Sam has to confer with Diane. She's like, yep, tell him that that's it. Just kind of keep it to just kind of go along with it. So Sam pretends that he's he's like, yes, I admit it. I'm in love with Diane. And Fraser starts to cry. Oh and no! Oh god! He just breaks down. That was just great. He goes from full confidence to complete breakdown in like 0.2 seconds. <laughs> Luckily, by the end of the commercial break, he's back, and we're like, "Okay." He's like, "He's like, yep, I've, I've done it. Now I can finally like put the priests beyond me, and I'm, I've gone back. I'm, I'm perfectly healthy now." He's like, "But Sam, your problem isn't over yet. You've <laughs> got to tell her." Uh, so Fraser leaves. He goes to go shopping, and Sam and Diane now have to work through, work out this problem of. Basically, coming up with a lie because Sam refuses to tell her uh, to tell Fraser that he told her this is like if it ends up like making him look embarrassing and like this. So they just like the rest of like almost the entire second act, they're in here going through this process of scripting this fake story. And Diane, her creative side takes over and she starts describing scenes of like what Sam would say and how he would act that would never happen that we know. No, God, yeah. no. Yeah. It would, it's, it's, that's a fantasy. 
Right. And then, and then like, no. Yeah. And, and it's, it's sort of, she's sort of tricking herself, like, this is what she would want if this was happening. It's like, Fraser wouldn't buy this. But then, once, like, even in the fantasy, once they get to the I love yous, Sam starts to describe them going to bed together. And Diane's like, Fraser's imagination can fill in the gaps. And Sam's like, well, you know, we're already here. We're at the, we're in the room. It's paid yeah. for. <laughs> Come on, might as well. Yeah. And then they can't help but start to fight about it. Exactly. Because then they have to start picking at each other. And she's like, you know, she's like, I hated those ear nibbles. Like, like that matters. Mm-hmm. But she had to make, she had to dig that in. I really didn't like the way you did this. Oh, yeah? Well, you look like a banana. That outfit. <laughs> the night couch. She's like, she's like, I can't believe all that time I thought I was arousing you and instead I was amusing you. He's like, well, it wasn't amusing that long. After a while, it got kind of sad. <laughs> like, that was a bad dig. Um, and then, yeah, so... They're, they start to shout at each other, and of course, perfect timing, perfect comedic setup. Sam is sh- literally shouting, I hate you, when Fraser walks back in, and he's like, oh, for crying out loud. And then, yeah, this lead, like, once they, they break it all down to him that they were just lying to, to make him feel better, and he's like, you felt pity on me, you the two most pitiful people in the world. And he's like, we're all pitiful. How does he describe it? They're uh, menage a boobs. Yes. <laughs> and he just goes on this tear describing that. And I love the way he says, you're both helplessly in, I guess you would call it love. <laughs> like, I love the, that phrasing of it. And he's like, you love each other, you hate each other, you hate each other for loving each other, or you hate yourselves for loving each other, and you're just, you're stuck in hell, and I want no part of this. And he finally just says, he's like, I'm going to get what's left of my self-respect, and I'm getting out of here. And he walks out to an ovation from the from the studio audience. Um, and I, and I, like, if I, they chose not to bring, I'm sorry to interrupt, but if they chose not to bring Fraser back, that would have been an excellent and exit point for him. And that was my thought watching it. I mean, clearly we know, yeah, he sticks around for the for the next, you know, seven years and continues to play this well, character. Yeah. Beyond that, he never goes away. But that could have been the final exit for this character. And yeah, what a way to go. Oh, a high point for him. He doesn't go out on the low point. He doesn't go out moping and whining. Yeah. You know, or yeah. even sort of high, but, you know, lying about everything like what Andy Andy. <laughs> No, he gets to go out like head held high, dignity, and doing something great for the audience, which is like, I'm going to put this, just in case you didn't figure out how it went, this is how it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, tipping my hand, I mean, I'll, I'll come up with some funny lines when we get to the home runs, but that is the highlight of this episode. It's just like his little rain and storming out of there. Um, his exit, it's just, it's great to kind of like hear everything that... And then, followed by just silence. And I love that in a sitcom where, you know, every second is precious real estate for the show, like, Burroughs let that silence linger for an awkward amount of time, where they're looking at each other and they're trying not to look at each other, and finally they're just like, what do you think about what he said? And I love that just Sam, he's like, well, Frazier's a pretty sharp guy. Like, kind of, like, acknowledging that, you know, well, you know, I mean, right. somebody somebody said it. We're not going to, you know, he, he is the doctor. After all, he's trained to know this kind of thing. He's smarter um, than both of us. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of, you know, just puts down out there, like, if this is hell, I'm not that unhappy. Which I think is a great acknowledgement of their status that we've, we've pretty much put out on Front Street. But also... 
functionally working as a kind of delaying tactic because now she doesn't have to quit her job or they don't have to get back together. Like, like the detente that they have existed in for a year now can continue. Continue for a while longer at least. Yeah, because he's just like, I, I, I'm willing to, I'm willing to put put up with you and put up with these feelings or whatever to keep you around. If this is what it takes to be as close to happy as we can be together, because they can't, it's impossible for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, you, there was a lot of stuff to think about after watching that. Like, because like it makes you think, like maybe they it was right for Shelley Long to leave when she did, because you know after the next season, because eventually that, that those kind of things can't last forever, right? right. And they have to have an endpoint at some point. Yeah, and so maybe it was a good thing they kept. You know, she left because. That thing can't last forever without mm. getting too repetitive eventually. Right, right, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's they uh, they'll they'll kind of address this in the the series finale too. But yeah, the, like the fact is, like they did not belong together long term. It it may very well be true that they are the love of each other's lives, like that they will never love anybody more or more deeply or more passionately than they loved each other. But the tragic is their love is just they the way they love each other and the way the type of people they are, they're just not meant to be together for a long time. They can't sustain that. Oh, um, I agree a hundred percent. They do. I, I think yes, they are the love of each other's life. They are the big, you know, the, they will never love each anyone else as much as they love each other, like you said. But yeah, the problem is the two they are. They're both too similar. Mm-hmm. They're both too unwilling to bend, mm-hmm. and they both fully believe that their way, you know, Sam's more blue collar, let's say, and, or working class, and Diane's more upper class way, they both believe the opposite person's version is stupid. <laughs> yeah. And not worth it. And dumb. And so I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to work because one or both of them has to bend a little bit for that to work, but because neither one will bend... And then they both get very competitive about it, like with the picking on each other before about, you know, she says something about the uh, ear nibbles and he has to dig back in. And there might have been a time earlier, like when they first got together, like in season two, when they were their relationship was a little bit more malleable and, and their feelings for each other allowed them to compromise more. And they would try things that they would never try otherwise, like going to museums or going to boxing matches or something like that. They would try and indulge in each other's lives to do that. But certainly by now and after the the harsh breakups and the acrimony, you know, maybe they maybe they do love each other that much, but do they love the other more than they love themselves? Would they ever be willing to compromise like that again? At least we, not now. We might see that in f- season five. Uh, we'll, we'll see kind of how that plays out. But at this point in their lives, I'm like, no. Would yeah, Sam, no. Would Sam go to an art gallery with Diane? No. Would Diane want to watch a football game at Sam's place? No. They're just they 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 might love each other and maybe more than any other human being other than themselves. But they love themselves too much, and they're they're too comfortable with that, and that's that unwillingness to bend that you mentioned, that unwillingness to compromise. Yeah, unwillingness to compromise, and neither one also ever seems willing to do an introductory thing. Mm-hmm. Diane doesn't want to take some Sam to some 
minor thing or just watch something that's ten, a 10 minute short foreign movie no she wants to take them to like the three hour only in German <laughs> you know abstract expressionist film you know she's not going to say ease him in she just wants to throw him in the deep that's their, both their versions of it I'm going to throw you in the deep end of the pool and let's see if you drown or not <laughs> and that's the other problem he, one knows how to show the other one and the same thing with Sam he's not going to like ease her in and play play a game with her or do something light that can get her into one of his events. No, no, I'm, I'm going to take you to the bare-knuckle boxing in the underground ring or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Blessedly, this, uh, the, just, yeah, like the last two minutes of this episode just does so much. Um, and it's, it's not one that, you know, I don't, I don't think, I mean, there's some episodes that are kind of, those are going along. And then the last couple of minutes are really, really strong. This was a solid episode all the way through from the beginning to oh, the yeah. end, but like just, uh, two back-to-back home runs at the end of this one with, with Frazier's exit. And then they're kind of like just an acknowledgement of each other at the end. Um, but yeah, I think finally getting Frazier back to his roots, putting him, establishing him more as the confident doctor but also very full of himself and um i don't want to not arrogant but a little bit haughty um but yeah fully the confidence that's the thing yeah yeah he's now confident in what he knows how to what he could do whether he gets a little haughty or not Mm -hmm. is another thing that's a personal personality quirk but i mean he has the confidence to say i know what i'm talking about now right right this is this is i mean the last time that he treated Sam and talked to him like this was, you know, in the beginning of season one when he was trying to get Sam uh, to quit drinking again. You know, the whole abundantly human thing. So. I forget. Was he touching Sam's head then? <laughs> no, no, because I remember, I remember one of the guests that I talked about on that episode. Maybe it was John Trumbull, and I, we were talking about we thought that uh, the the line that he has in this episode we misremembered from being that one. But yeah, yeah. Whole is that one of the 200th episode ones? Because yes. I remember that one, yep, but I don't that, remember this episode. Yeah, okay. that, that clip. And yeah, it's it's one of the highlights of this episode. Yeah, but that because yeah. the and we'll we'll get to that eventually. My, yeah, well, you could probably get to it right now, um, unless you had any other thoughts about the episode proper. Uh, other than it's it's kind of funny to find to realize that a sitcom, which is very fun and a very funny one, not just you know, eh, they tried, but a funny sitcom for the most part of its all of its seasons. And at its heart, especially for the first five seasons, it's a tragic love story. Not yeah. even a successful love story, which is what they usually do. It's a tragic love story. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I, I forgot one thing. Um, the, the only other uh, guest actor who has a line in this one is Al, again, <laughs> played by Al Rosen. Because um, getting back to the plot, Norm comes in mad at Cliff because he did go to this quote-unquote party nobody else showed up so he said i spent the entire time painting the attic while cliff and his mom argued about who forgot to pick up the food or anything like that the whole thing so cliff comes in pretending like he was at some rager like he's partly like tired and hungover he's like hey i didn't make an ass out of myself did i and al just from his little spot in the back of the bar is like i'd bet on it so, and the thing I forgot, yeah, I did write something down about that because the thing is, with the way that Cliff lives in his own version of a lie and denial of yes. his life, I don't know if that was Cliff pretending or if he actually convinced himself that that's it was a great party. He you know, might actually believe it. There's a reason that when the, the, the hypothetical question of who do we know who has a problem, everyone looked right at him. I mean, did Woody even look at him? I mean, come yeah. on, when Woody's, Woody's touching like that, you know, like, maybe I have a problem. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Sam, Diane, Woody, Norm, and Carla all looked right for Vroom! Just they like turned. <laughs> so... Um, for Norm's tab, he had three beers this episode, which brings him up to 338 for the series. Ooh. Um, the employee of the week, I gave it to Frazier. What do you think? I, I was close with Frazier. He just wasn't in enough of it, I thought. Mm-hmm. I- I'm still fighting myself over Sam or Diane because they both had an equal amount. I mean, between Sam going back and forth with, like, pretending to be upset and trying to hide it. And Diane, I love how when Diane actually gets to be playful, until <laughs> to be playful about things and not just stuck about things or angry, but when she gets to have fun with it, like when she's teasing Sam about him telling Frazier that he loves her, he's like, as long as you know, I don't, she's like, I don't mostly. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I know. Oh, she drives him so crazy in that moment. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so the way she does it, but then the fact of his reaction to driving crazy, it's like, Oh God, it's so hard. Um, I think the last few times we get a bunch of people gave it to Sam, so I'm going to give it to, give it to Shelley Long. Okay, that's a good one. It's really a coin cost at this, at this point. Though. It is, I mean, it is a good choice, yeah. yeah. Um, what was your home run or your best gag of the episode? My home run is going to be a little weird because it's not the funny line, but you'll know why probably when I say it, because it leads to, it just leads to this wonderful thing. It's Woody saying, it's quick, it's simple, you don't have to sit away from one of those kids or anything. <laughs> Because that sets up the whole Roadrunner thing, and that was a wonderful bit, right? That you know what for a show, for an episode that had so much of this other stuff, they really didn't have too much room for a real subplot. Yeah, you know, you had that little bit of Cliff and Norm, but that's like a minor line or two here and there. So this thing is really the closest you got to an actual subplot of them just having this discussion that. You know, Diane in a normal time might even enjoy it because they're actually talking about existentialism and stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're covering it with the Roadrunner, but, you know, it's like something that, like, wow, like, they're getting deep into it, ending with, like you said, with, I suppose that proves the kind of the Antichrist. <laughs> that that conversation lasted at least eight minutes real time, assuming they were talking about the entire time that Sam and Diane were in the office with Fraser. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I love that whole thing. So, like, that's my home run because it set that all up and it was great. That was good. That was good. Um, I had two, and one of them that we we talked about um, the 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 line that is uh, shown in the two hundredth episode, and the one that mm-hmm. John and I misremembered when Sam and and uh, Fraser are in the office, and Fraser grabs uh, Sam by the head, and he's like, "Come on, tell <laughs> Diane you love her. Let some sunlight in the hair." <laughs> and Sam just Fraser, I don't like guys touching my head, and Fraser just nods his head. And he's like, "Okay, well, that's our next session." <laughs> <laughs> and then I had that one, and then another one that killed me is when Sam and Diane are going through the whole routine of what they're going to tell. And Sam is actually like writing what Diane is saying. She's like, write this down so you remember word for word and everything. And he's adding things, and she's making him erase them. She's doing proofreading of his. <laughs> but she's like, okay, so you say... I love you. And then she's like kind of like standing up as if she's delivering a dramatic monologue to the audience. She's like, she I've, is. I've always loved you and I always will until the day I die. No, not even the grave will diminish my love. Only make its flame burn brighter. And Sam is sitting there on the couch writing and he goes, whatever. <laughs> he just, I love just like that whatever. Like, and then later on, he says something, and she plays him back with a whatever. So I just, yeah, those are those are good. Um, I, this person wrote this was her name, Susan. You said, yeah, writer? Susan Seeger is the writer for this. Susan Seeger. She wrote one, but she yeah. knocked it out of the park. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, yeah. good job. Yeah, really. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be it for the triangle. Al, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode. Where else can our listeners hear you if they want to hear more from you? Oh, like you said at the top, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. It is all about the Marvel characters, Adam Warlock and Thanos. I mean, it's right in the title. So you can find it at resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com, or you can also just go on Twitter at AdamThanosPod. All right. Well, thank you again, and thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford Wright from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents and Monday Movie Muckabout, who sponsor the show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. So this is what it's come to. You were practicing deceit to get my confidence back. You took pity on me. You of all people. Two of the most pitiful people I know. Hey, 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 hey. She's a lot more pitiful than I am. You're both pitiful. I'm pitiful. We're all three a pitiful menage a boobs. Well, this boob is moving on. You know, you two may not have the courage to face it, but I finally do. Sam and Diane. You are now and have always been hopelessly in, I guess the word for it, is love. And unfortunately for you, like it or not, you always will be. You are so... I know, I know! Now you're going to deny it. Even though it's ludicrously obvious to everyone around you, you two will go on pretending that it's not true because you're emotional infants. You're in a living hell. You love each other and you hate each other and you hate yourselves for loving each other. Well, my dear friends, I want no part of it. It's time I just picked up my life where I left off. It's time to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So I'll get out of here now so you can just get on with your denial fest. (laughs) 